All right, we're back. Like, this was like mid-conversation that we picked this up. So I've been Roman. Welcome uh, back, Kyle. We are in Roman's man cave. Roman's got an awesome man cave in the middle of this beautiful home that he and his wife built a couple of years ago. Yeah, and I don't call it a cave. It's actually Roman's Boom. retreat. Right, because exactly. it's like more of an upstairs. Caves seem like they're more downstairs in a darker Love. place. I'm upstairs. It's like a retreat. You get away. Uh, it's blocked away from the house, from the rest of the family, the kids. Nobody can get in here unless you come through different ways. I got a balcony outside if you want to go out there and smoke cigars. It's, it's immaculate. Yes, it's nice. It really is. I mean, I he, he's a, he's a I got a couple of video games in here, too. That's he, the fun part. Well, right. He's a humble man. But this is, I mean, this is, a, this is a every man's dream. I got to be honest. Like, this man has done it. And I'm, I'm immensely proud of him for it. But he's got space. He's, like you said, got a balcony. He's got a pool table. He's got the big screen. He's got golden tea in the corner. Golden we, tea's close. He's got the bathroom, a nice bathroom with a shower. He's got the marble countertops over here with the sink. Like this, again, it's every man's dream. He has achieved it. I'm proud of him. He also, however, has gone to the next level with possibly the best snack selection that I've ever seen. And um, in, a, in a Roman's retreat, a man cave, a dentist's office, I mean, by, better than anything I've ever seen. So quickly, he has oversized mason jars full of Reese's Cups, Welch's fruit snacks, uh, assorted candy, including Snickers bars, suckers, and other things. And, then and peppermints. Got, and peppermints peppermint, yeah. for some breath. And yeah. then he's got uh, a massive jug of peanut M&Ms, which we both agreed and decided on is arguably the greatest candy of all time. Without a doubt. Uh, that and Skittles for me, I'm all about it. Um, I try and limit myself to 5 to 10 uh, when I'm up here <laughs> <laughs> late at night when I'm doing some work or maybe just grinding on something or or playing my Call of Duty, whatever I'm doing. So Right. Yeah. I try to, but Boom. they're so good, though. So, again, this... They're the, timeless. They, dude. They're timeless. You know, it's one of those things where you know it as a kid, and then all this new stuff comes, <laughs> and you start trying all this other stuff, and all of a sudden the old stuff's not cool anymore, and then you get to be like 30, and it's like, nah, the cool stuff was the first stuff that I had. Peanut M&Ms. Like, that's, that's the stuff. Yes. So it's the best candy. This is Roman's retreat. So I got some boys back home that are going to, I think, make Roman a beautiful, engraved, like, mahogany... Sign Let me be this. surprised. Don't even tell me. You don't even want, I'm not going to. All right. So we got the, the Romans retreat sign coming and I'm offering up. Uh, oh, dude, I almost said bounty, which is not the I mean, I don't want to get into bounties with you. It's <laughs> nothing personal. I just didn't mean it like I was. The word is beyond me. I know. It's okay. I, know. I was going to offer a reward <laughs> to anybody out there who came up with a great name because we, we this is basically. Well, our first of all, bounty doesn't even go in that sentence. Uh, I mean, <laughs> no, it works. It does. Well, OK, it's it's a loose interpretation of bounty. I it's get more it. of like. Be, all right, we're going to give somebody a gift. We're going to give colorful somebody. colorful language. You're right. <laughs> it was unnecessary. I apologize. <laughs> However, the point is we're going <laughs> to get somebody. To, this is our studio. So I just, like, leave yes. all the stuff set up. And like so I said, yeah, it's, it never moves. It's right here. and Our recording setup is just right. here for convenience. And so this is basically our studio. So I just said we got to come up with a fun name for what is our studio. No doubt. And just the same way we have Steve Spurrier Field. At Ben Grill Hiffen Stadium, right? Yeah, the something same like, thing. Something like that, essentially. Right. So right. it's going to be da 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 studio in Roman's retreat. Boom. So from there we went to Marshawn Lynch Skittles. That's how you lure him in. Add oh yeah, because I need to, to get snacks. some. I got to get some purple Skittles. And then in here. you said the, about the time that you tackled Marshawn Lynch and broke your helmet. People that don't know that story, tell that story. Well, you said we should just have Marshawn Lynch over with the Skittles, and I was like, well, if he is, he could probably. I'll have him sign the helmet that. I broke when right. when I tackled him, and uh, it wasn't like it was a hard tackle. It was nothing crazy. I, it was just my helmet it was it broke on the side, and when I was tackling him, and I went over the sideline, and I didn't realize that I broke it until I got to the sidelines and took it off, and it was cracked. And um, I was like, "Well, I need to fix it." How much did it suck to hit him? You know what, Marshawn was not the hardest for me to tackle. Really? No, for me. The, the hardest guys to tackle were either really, really quick get-scat guys, like little receivers in oh. space. But you had them in space. The thing about those guys, they never wanted to get hit. Oh. So if you just run full speed at them and just shoot at them, most of the time shoot at their legs because their legs are their money. Right. So they're going to protect their money at all costs. So you just take a shot at them. If you, they make you miss, most people look at it, oh, well, you turned them back inside. It's okay. You weren't supposed to make that tackle. Right. Like that doesn't, unless it's in real open space. But shoot at them. They're scared. They don't want to get hit. Running back-wise, two guys always come to name. Steven Jackson. Oh, yeah. I can see that. He was a really big human being and ran really fast. Yeah. That's just a bad combination. It's a bad combination. <laughs> you got to tackle him for a living. Yeah, yeah that's a bad combination. Yeah. 
Also, another guy that was tough for me was Michael Turner, running back from Atlanta. Most people don't really think about that, but let me tell you why he was so hard. Wow. He, was, he had enough speed. He was like this roly-poly a little bit. He was big, wide body, but he was short. So with him, he didn't give you any surface area to hit. His strongest parts were his legs, and because he's so short, that's where you got to shoot at, right? And so it, the way and where you can hit him – because he outweighs me. So you got to understand, for me to be able to get this bigger person down, I got to be able to get and corral his legs yeah. for a living. This is what I do for a living. So his area was – that was his strong part, too. The same way when I had to play against Maurice Jones-Drew and then Fred Taylor in the same backfield. Fred Taylor's a guy, as soon as you try and tackle him, you go for his legs. He's had a knee injury before. Yeah. He's very slow. He doesn't get his legs out of the way as fast. Shoot at his legs, he'll slow down. Wrap and roll? Wrap and roll. Whatever you got to do. Yeah. Maurice Jones-Drew, shorter, his power was all in his legs. So what you did, if you got Maurice Jones-Drew, you try and kiss him, hit him up high. Put your helmet on, boom. Oh. You do that, that's how you get Maurice Jones-Drew down. I like this. Totally different. See, this is like this man's got a PhD in tackling. <laughs> you really you do. It's it's awesome. Hey man, tackling is like seventy percent want to. All right. Ooh, then fifteen percent technique, twenty percent technique. Also five percent have a plan. All right. Ooh. Just don't think like, oh, I'm tackling. Have a plan. Know who you're tackling. I feel like I'm being coached right now. <laughs> <laughs> have a plan. So that's what frustrates me when I see some college players and teams tackling. Because I'm like, who's coaching these dudes? Why would you tell your defensive back to go up there and hit that guy up high in the middle of the field like that? That makes no sense. Your job is to get this man down and allow us to line up again. So what do you have to do is get him down. It doesn't have to be pretty. Nobody said you're going to out-muscle everybody. No, just get him down. That's your job is to get him down. Give us a chance to line up again. It doesn't have to be great. So sometimes you're going to get ran over, all right? That's going to get happened. That happened to me before a few times. But, hey, just like my boy said, when you came to Asylum, you got ran, I was like, hey, man, sometimes when you ride on a dirt road, you're going to get a little, you know. Get a little dirty. That's it. Yeah. I, I think about that sometimes. Because, like, I, I think the for the dudes out there listening, I suspect their experience is more relatable to mine that we didn't play in the NFL. Right, and might right, have right. just played some high school football, which was the case for me. And, like, there's always that dude. So, when I ask you who, who sucked the most to tackle – I, you're right. I'm glad Who's you, your guy? I'm, I'm glad you brought up the shifty guys. But, like, I just assumed that, you know, those, those guys were tough to tackle. I was talking about the dudes that you just dreaded, you know, meeting in a hole or, you know, just uh, in a one-on-one -on -one situation. And, I mean, I, I don't have a guy that you would know. I just know that, you know, in high school, back, I played back when you could still do the, you know, Oklahoma drill and bull in the ring and everything <laughs> else. And so there's always that two or three guys right. on your team you don't want to – I mean, that, you just no got a way. bad day if you got to hit them. Oh. And if they point at you, your day got ruined. Like, that For sort me, of thing. And, I, and, like, I actually like to block. I was, you know, yeah. that sort of – And, again, I say that as someone who was just an average athlete. But, like, yeah. I, I, I enjoyed it sometimes. That was the last thing you wanted to see was that big OSOB point at you. And you're like, ah. and then you got to go do it. And especially if it's some dude that like has a really low center of gravity and it doesn't yeah, matter how hard you hit him, you know, it's just going to suck either way. Like that's what, and that's so I'm watching sometimes on Saturdays and Sundays, especially when some of those dudes you just mentioned, like, I mean, I'm trying to like in today's game, let me tell you who would be hard. Number one, um, Alvin Kamara is really tough to tackle because he has great balance, right? He sh he's got, Great acceleration. He's like a Cadillac. He, like, he just revs up and goes. He's as fast as you need him to be. Right. He's a smooth engine. Maybe even like a Corvette. And I don't even like Corvettes. I'm not a big Corvette guy at all. They, they're, they're a touch overrated. Now, I say that as someone who has owned <laughs> but, zero Corvettes, but, you know. But it's a nice ride car. Alvin it's a classic, got it's great a classic ride, yeah. Um, Christian McCaffrey is way stronger than what he was when he first came into the league. Dude is really bulked oh, up. Oh, dude, did you see that he play on strong. Sunday? Where I mean, he I think it was a, a pass that he caught, and somebody uh, like he got hit hard. And and well, a Adam, well, Abrams was Adam all game. I think I, it was I like Abrams. I like uh, John Abrams. I liked him coming out of Mississippi. I thought he was tough. I thought he played like a mean. He had a streak to him. He's a nasty player in a good way. I like how he plays the game. He plays fast. He plays intense, and he's not scared. Um, and in the NFL, that as a safety, I like guys that aren't scared. You got to be able to pull the trigger and go, make fast decisions. Make it wrong, make it fast. Right? Just let's go. Yeah, you know, I wanted to I come can in. Correct the wrong mistakes. I wanted to come in here and like gloat and tell you that you were wrong about defenses being ahead of offenses because there was some high scoring games this it weekend, was, it but was. there was also a lot of low scoring yeah. games. So like, I, I, it's like a mixed bag. I'm with I, you. Like we, you know what I want to talk about? Hold on. What? No, you go ahead. No, you go, go ahead. ahead. I didn't have anything to say. Kickers. Just, dude, come on. 
Well, first of all, I'm surprised you even want to talk about kickers. You know how I feel about kickers. I know how you feel about kickers, that and interior <laughs> offensive linemen. So I'm surprised when you ever bring either one of those things up because why would you ever want to talk about them? That's how you know it's big, Kyle. I know. When I bring up kickers, mm-hmm. all right? First of all, I never want to waste the people's time talking about kickers. You shouldn't. All right? I don't. Especially not college kickers. The worst. Which is what you do for a living now. <sighs> I gotta hold my tongue. They did let me go a little bit though the uh-huh. other day um, when I was like, "Hey, look, kickers, th- this kickers are struggling right now." Dude, Stephen Gostowski went from being legitimately the best kicker in the Bro, league. He wasn't even happy after the game. He won the game. How and could had he his be head happy? Down. He missed f- three field goals and an extra point. All three field goals inside fifty yards. And in Denver, where you know it's what easy I think it make. is. Honestly, I was talking about this on on my radio show today. I think. Honestly, you know no, the worst one. I know Gostowski was bad. Yeah, it's bad. How about Texas State's kicker? Oh yeah, I'm not gonna say. Dude, his like name. I'm not even gonna, like like I don't even pick. I don't even have fun picking on college kickers anymore. Like I just <laughs> expect them to miss half their kicks at this point, especially the ones that have any pressure on them. So like I just expect it. But like watching the hey, guy, look, who, I get it because I went to Alabama and we never have kickers. I mean, that'd be like Shaq being able to make free throws. Yeah, Some, you can't have it all. Yes, exactly. You it, that's cannot the thing. have it all. It would all. not be fair if you also had no. like the greatest kicker of all time. No way. No, that I, would be I, awful. I, that would be no. No, okay. the, the kicking was bad. You're right about that. The kicking was go ahead. Like, to abnorm- Gostowski, my theory. You hear? My theory here is that. You know how, like, when basketball players go play in the Final Four or in some strange game where instead of, instead of playing in an actual basketball arena or gym, they get stuck playing in a football stadium or outdoors? Yes. And the, the depth changes right, and all right, that right. stuff. So when they I, did that opening, they used to do that opening in high school or the college would do the opening where you would um, – they'd play on the ship. Exactly. That sort of thing. So mm-hmm. they're on a battleship, like Michigan State and Kentucky playing right. to start yeah, the yeah, season, that, that sort yes. of stuff. Right. So I, I just think it's – and you can speak to this, like the um, – you know, the, the, the psychology of sports or the, you know, mental athleticism or whatever you want to call it, that it's not that it's harder. It's just they're not used to being it's in different. real game situations. It's different. And with, a, like, real consequences and, a, and an opposing team really trying to block that kick with nobody. Because normally you got screaming fans and fatheads and, you know, waving stuff and towels and going insane. Like, it's again, it's not that I think it's harder. I just think it's probably an adjustment, don't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yes. It's the same way when in the SEC when you have to play basketball in Vanderbilt and the bench is sitting down lower, right? It's You play like on an elevated surface than where you sit. Right. It's different. That's all it takes in basketball yeah. It's just to be on an elevated surface, not a normal hardwood floor. Right. So it, it, to them, as that's what my, my basketball friend explained to me. And it, I'd never thought about it before until he said that. I'm like, that's all it is. That's the same way in, in football – when you go from from NFL to well college to NFL, first of all, the white stripe is no longer on that football. Oh yeah, that's right? true. <laughs> I didn't think about that. Well, it makes it harder to to pick it up too. I really struggled with that a lot early in my career. That's one of the reasons why I got LASIK was because it helped me pick up the ball better. Really? Yeah. In in college, you got the white stripe. So right. I didn't as soon think as it's about in the, as soon as the ball is in the air, you your eyes catch on to it a lot easier. That makes sense. And then. In the pros, without it, and you looking up in a dome with the lights, it kind of was weird for me. I had to, I really struggled with that, and uh, being able to pick up the ball. How has that never occurred to me? Like it's so <laughs> obvious, and I, I mean, all the of all the football I've watched, covered, and played, I think I've, that's never occurred to me. Most Makes, people I mean, don't it's think about that. So common sense, though. Of course it is. <laughs> and also the hash marks. So, um, well, yeah, that I know. They're well, more yeah, narrow. Yes. Well, you always you. So it's not really a a a, a passing like side and you do in college like in college most two minute plays or game plans are set up to the short side of the field because the college quarterbacks don't have the arm to go far far side most of them and if they do it takes them longer to get out of bounds Mm. so little things like that are what you kind of notice and but for me the hash marks always been in the same uh it will be in closer in the um the The white stripe oh yeah yeah. that was the biggest difference in changing when it comes to scenery mental being able to juggle that. That was a real adjustment for me. So, it, um, since we're talking about college kickers especially, I said, like I said, I said, you guys, this is what you do for a living. Now, some people might not know, you're, you started with the SEC Network recently. Um, you, I mean, just playing in the SEC and growing up in Alabama, like I know college football is in your blood, but you said something interesting to me earlier, and you said that, like, you know, you'd been doing, the NFL had kind of been your universe for the last 15 years, and outside of following Alabama, you had kind of, you didn't have the time to follow, you know, the rest of college football. And so you just kind of been catching back up. Like it's always in your blood. It's always there because, you know. You're- yeah, but um, so I never grew up this like 
big time SEC football guy. I didn't grow up like that. My parents went to HBCU, Alabama State University. So I didn't grow up loving Alabama, even though I was in the state of Alabama. And it, it always stood out to me when I'd go to class, we have like fan day, and you get to wear your team's colors. And you were wearing HBCU? Stuff? Yeah, yeah, I was wearing like Alabama wow. State. And everybody else would have on like Alabama and Auburn. Right. They were like, well, you still got to pick a team. It's the same way you come to North Carolina. Like, yeah, you can like who you like, but Duke or North Carolina. And then I can imagine like there's some kid with a Gator <laughs> shirt on the back that's getting picked on by everybody. Maybe not really. Not in Prattville. Nah. Not in Prattville. Not back then. No. So no. it was all Alabama. It was like of all course, Alabama. Of course and it is. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, because of course it is. Well, you know where I'm from is closer to Auburn, but so I, I never grew up loving the SEC like that. Right. But now. As I got older and I went through Alabama, of course, I always keep up with Alabama, always root for them. I always – I mean, that's home for me. Right. Um, and I had a great career there and all those other things, and they treat me awesome. But now having to shift gears because for 15 years of my life, I've only really cared about the NFL. I don't really – I know Alabama, but I don't really care that much. I'm not emotionally attached to college football at all or really care about learning anything outside of my own bubble. That's how you were. That's how I was. Because you haven't, like, I didn't, that's not a version of you that I knew. Because the, from the, like, I've, like, from the day that I, since I've met you, you've told me how much you love Alabama football and how much, like, that's the most fun you've ever had, you know. Play, I think the first thing you ever said to me about Planet Alabama that really struck me was, like, you said, of course I love Alabama football more than anything because I got to choose to go there. That was my decision. There it is. I mean, yeah. that was the first time uh, that you do. You, I think that's a great point, Kyle. I never thought about that, but maybe that is why. And, also because I learned who I, I was I was growing, man. I got oh, so yeah. much that was the first time of freedom. That was the first time to be able to do things you wanted to. I made a lot of crazy mistakes. I I mean I, I did a lot of crazy fun things and college was so fun for me. I really, really enjoyed my little bubble and some of the friends that I made, these guys are some of my best friends, man. I you know, Oliver uh, my boy Trip. It, it's crazy, man. I met all these bartenders, these bar owners, man, and I hung and and jived with so many people that even when I go there now, man, it, they still treat me so good. And it really is like a family. Like those guys are my family. And when I get to come in, they love seeing me. And it, it's special there for me personally. It is special. But now, I, I want to talk about having to learn the rest of the SEC. That's teams. what I was going to ask you Cause, about. Because to. Alabama's easy. I hate talking about Alabama. I know. Like, I try not to talk about Alabama. But you should, though. because let me, Can I just tell you this, too? Because, again, I, I've just – having been talking for a living a little bit longer than you have. Correct. Correct. It, you, you're you're going to try to resist being a homer because you don't want to be perceived as a homer, but you actually end up doing a little bit of an injustice <laughs> to the authenticity of how you talk about the game. Because, you know, as someone who went to a non-SEC school but went to a quote-unquote football school, yep. like, I know how much it means to you because it means a lot to everybody who goes there, or most everybody who goes there. Yes. And just in my experience, like, the people that try the hardest to be impartial oftentimes come across, like, very stiff and insincere when they do have to talk about it. I don't think you're a homer. Like, I think you have the – you do the fun Roll Tide stuff and you let it be known that you love your school, but I don't, I've never heard you be unreasonable when you had to talk about it. Oh, no, I'm very honest and critical right. <laughs> of Alabama. And I know when they lose, who they're going to be a bad matchup. I actually picked them to lose against Georgia this year. I thought this was going to be the first time that one of Nick Saban's Padawans had actually passed him up as a Jedi. No. I thought it was going to happen. But now without Jamie I don't know Newman, that reference, by the way. Oh, uh, no, dude. Oh, my God. What? No. Dude, I've, Star this, Wars, it, I, I kind of figured it was. I've never seen any Star Wars. The Jedi is the training the Padawan. I, I mean, I, eventually, I, I, the context kind of. I got it, I think, a little bit. But yeah, I, and eventually the Padawan is he's in training to become a Jedi. Like, I'm not trying to take off on that rabbit hole, but I've just, <laughs> I've never, I, I catch all sorts of hell for never it's right, it's seen right. those movies. For, for those non-Star Wars people, it just means that the, the student will pass the teacher. Cool. All right, so, so. Um, so, yeah, back to Kirby. I thought that was going to happen, but now Jamie Newman's not playing. He opted out. That is a very unique situation that's going to continue to go on and on and on and linger in college football. They have to start to – look, when guys are all in, you got a better chance. Right now, I don't know how many people and teams are all in. I want to see how this football season is going to progress. I'm really excited about the unknown of the unknown season. Nobody's ever had one. I'm excited about it because I get to be a part of it. Emotionally, I'm here. I'm all in. I've got some really cool people to hang out and talk about this with on Saturdays. 
I'm excited, and I just wish I could travel, but because of COVID, I understand. Okay, so for anybody who also doesn't know, you're doing SEC Nation, uh, yes. which is uh, the SEC Network's version of I College Game I Day. I don't even know if I should plug myself. Well, no, I mean, you should. I, I didn't yeah, want to you definitely that. should. You know I, mean, I, mean, I don't look, want to take from us. Well, I, I get it. No, you're not taking from anything. You're adding to it because, again, <laughs> this is a big move for you, and it was funny. Like Right before we started this conversation, I'm sitting here. I think I could say I'm not like disclosing details. I'm watching this dude on a, on a live, like, what, a Skype or a face chat or FaceTime, with uh, like a fan from the SEC Network, you and Tim Tebow. Like, Tebow jumps on the screen with you a couple of minutes ago. And, like, I'm just like, hmm. You know, I, I, he, he's one of the few guys in this business that I have never met. Oh, really? And, well, right, yeah. But, and it's always interesting for me to see somebody kind of off camera. Right. And, or I guess in this case, still on camera, right, but, right. like, not on. Right, right, he's right. He's just as nice as, yes. you know, he's, he's, you can tell he's the exact same person everywhere he goes. He is one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. And he's genuine. He's truly genuine, man. And it's really hard to meet genuine people. That is why so many people enjoy listening to Tim, because he's genuine. And when he gets fired up or shows passion, it's real. And people f- can vibe with realness. And that is what I appreciate about Tim, is that, you know, you can have whatever kind of opinion you want or this, that, and other. But Tim is who he is, and he'll never back off that. And that's, I love that, that he's strong to his faith and who he is. And he's a great football mind. I can't wait to go back and forth with him. I'm working with two quarterbacks and Tim Tebow and Jordan Rogers. We also have the beautiful Laura Rutledge. She'll be kind of holding, over, holding, the, holding the fort down for us, yeah. making sure we all are playing nicely. And it should be good, man. She's going to bring in some great two cents. She's a very knowledgeable, super sharp girl, man. And I'm just really, really, not even a girl, just a, just a great mind of sports. She does awesome yeah. with NFL Live. She's so, really good. Yes, very talented. Is. Yes. So I'm just really looking forward to it. Um, this is going to be my first time doing these things. Jordan and Tim are veterans. I'm the rookie, even though I'm the oldest out of us all. <laughs> I'm the rookie out of this whole crew. I'm really, really excited. I'm going to be nervous. My heart is going to be racing, but I'm going to get through it, man. And um, hopefully, I put we can put on a show. So you're working on it, like I, I, you can work. You're working on a project right now. Can you talk about that or no? Um, I mean, not like no details or anything, but can you talk about it at all? If not, people can just be, you know, now intrigued if we can't talk about it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Let's hold off then. Yeah, let's well, just no, hold, we'll hold off then because okay. I, I don't want to spoil it because it's a really cool thing that you're it's doing. It's a passion project. Yeah, man. no, no, no. Okay, so for that's me. why I asked. I, yeah. For anybody out there, now there's intrigue. You know, people are like, what the hell are they talking about? Now I want to know what this thing is me. that he's doing and uh, why can't they tell it? Well, you're just going to have to be patient. This man's got a cool project coming out. <laughs> but he's worked like the SEC. No, I'm just glad they're playing football. Yeah, um, me too. Which, and, and I mean this with, you know, I, I don't have, there's no snark here. It's just, it's funny that the, the conference that's the most maniacally diehard about college football and that looked to make, be making the most reckless decisions the entire time leading up to the, the like, throughout the coronavirus stuff, looks like they might be the one that got it the most right. And, and like the <laughs> ACC started their season, what was Saturday? I think the, the 12th? Yeah. Is that what? Yeah, the 12th. And the ACC played then. Like Virginia Tech and NC well, State couldn't play because well, yeah. NC State had an outbreak, and then Virginia Virginia Tech can't play this weekend because last week Virginia Tech had an outbreak. So this stuff's happening all over the country. Yes, and the SEC was like, we're going to wait an extra couple of weeks. Yeah, and just that's give, exactly ourselves, that's give that's ourselves a little more time. And it looks like they might be the smartest out of everybody, <laughs> and they got more time with all this new rapid testing stuff going on. The SEC might have hit the bullseye on all this stuff. Hey, man. Sometimes the rich get richer, man. And right? The way our economy is right now, it's <laughs> not as rich as you can get. <laughs> hey, no doubt about it. And uh, I, I was listening to something on YouTube. They're talking about a, a K effect. Like instead of a V for the way the economy is going, mm. it's like a K. Oh. So like the top part is still going up. Right. And the bottom part is going down. Right. It's a K. I was like, I'd never heard that before. But um, yeah, man, back to the SEC. I I'm so glad that they did push it back. There was no reason to rush into it. They wanted to kind of see how basketball was going to go. How the, They did not want to start before the NFL. And the NFL was trying to wait on college football. I think, they, the NFL, I think the NFL secretly wanted all of college football yeah. to be canceled so they could play on Saturdays too. Well, they did. That's what, that was another example that they, were, they are very open to that. You're talking about a capitalist. Oh, The yeah. ultra most capitalistic sport of them all in America. I'm surprised they had as much restraint as they did because when the Big Ten and Pac-12 canceled, that was when we first started wondering out loud. Like, Well, they couldn't they announce to... it because nobody else had canceled. I thought that, look. Well, no, no, hold on. What I was going to say is that when the first two canceled, like we were saying, that's when we first started saying, well, if, if everybody else follows suit, which we thought might be the case at the time, then it was mm-hmm. like, well, then there'll be no football on Saturdays. 
why wouldn't the NFL play on Saturdays? And then, of course, it was, oh, yeah, of course they would because it's the NFL. They're going to try to do this. So they had more restraint than I thought they would because they did come out and say after the Pac-12 and Big Ten canceled that um, as it currently stood, if it was just those two that canceled but everybody else was still playing, they weren't going to try to play on Saturdays. But if everybody canceled, they were damn sure going to do it. And no it would have made all the sense in the world. Yeah, be the – we all know the NFL. They stretched out the draft four days right? just oh, to get more TV They time. love attention, man. <laughs> that league loves attention. They're not bashful about it. <laughs> they don't run from it. Everybody knows it. I can't believe the Rams stadium was $5 billion. It looks immaculate, though, and amazing. I, I'm just – it's crazy how much uh, football is, is – uh, how it just continues to just can climb and grow and get bigger and bigger and bigger. I, I really – I love the NFL, man. It is so good. It's it's very fun. I think it's still highly competitive. You got a lot of bad ball that goes on, but in the NFL, I worry less because everybody make nobody's really figured out in week one, and the rule would always be you play your first game. It's overreaction Monday or overreaction first couple games, whatever, and from there you are in a race to steadily improve the whole time. You never stop trying to improve from week one. Week one should be the worst game you play, anyways. Whether you win or lose, it should be the worst. And from there on, you're playing. You are striving to get better from there on, and that is how you make a run and win a championship. See, I, it's yeah, no, it, the, the league, being an NFL fan, is, and this it's going to seem obvious, like it should go without saying, but I mean, it, it's worth pointing out, being an NFL fan is very different than being a college football fan. For sure, it's very different, right? Keep talking. I'm just getting a brew. No, that's fine. So it's very different than the man's got to get him a beer. So it, you know, this is. Like, yeah, the NFL, I, I cover it for a living. I talk college football, too, but, like, I got started in this business, especially covering college football, right, before I started covering the NFL. Communities of, P, of fans online that'll talk and things like that. You know, you got, like, uh, I don't know, P- Panthers Twitter, Saints Twitter, like that sort of stuff. But like, in college football, you got, you know this, like recruiting boards, message oh, boards. The recruiting dude, is Let me real. tell you something, dude. Like, <laughs> it, it doesn't matter. Like, it's, it's uniform. You grew up in the very bottom of the South. I grew up in the very top of the South. But, like, when college football is what everybody loves, yes. if you don't understand the recruiting culture, like, these things <laughs> used to be 1-900 numbers that dudes would call back in the 90s to get some recruiting information. And it's still to this day, it's a different platform. It's just a bunch of, you know, 40, 50-year-old dudes living vicariously through all these young bucks that are, you know, following recruiting news and fighting about it and you know, de- determining who should and shouldn't be fired based on how well they're recruiting according to 247 Sports and, <laughs> you know, rivals and scout and everything. It's wild, man. It's really crazy. But they, I just wonder cultures. what I would have been rated. And I, I'm not going to say high either, right? I was like a two or a three I was going to ask you that because I was thinking – because that was about 2000, what, two or three? I, I got first? Two, uh, 2001. I, they had just – Started they just started, right. In 2001. That was my last, that was my senior year. And literally, I was like a two-star maybe. I can't even remember. And, but I remember that when I got to Alabama, my class that we came in with, they ragged us so bad because we were one of the lowest rated classes that had come into Alabama in Your a class? while. Yes, my class. So who was rated? I'm trying to think. Who was rating classes at that point? I don't know, but according to the, the Alabama magazine, if you went back to my rookie, my couple years, like we were probably rated some of the lowest. And the, like the other guys, they were a top five recruiting class. Because in 1999, they won the SEC championship. They had just got there off of this freshman class. They were – Pretty highly rated. So I'm thinking about this, too, because I think – you remember uh, Kevin Jones, the running back out of Virginia Tech? He went first round to the Yeah, Lions. he was the number one overall player in the country my year. He was a beast. He was a, a- baller. Absolute beast. I thought he was really good. He was fast. He, he had was a if he didn't, If he hadn't torn up his knee, his career would, I think – would. You, you know, know what? It's sad, though, how many running backs Virginia Tech ran into the ground. Dude. I mean, <laughs> I was just thinking about Ryan Williams the other day. Ryan Williams, first-round talent, man. Ended up playing for the Cowboys, but yeah, like yeah, another yeah. career cut short to run to injuries. I yeah, mean, Dude, Virginia Tech ran – looking back on it, I mean, we all didn't think about it back then because everybody had a one-back running back system then. Until they did because Kevin Jones and Lee Suggs got together yeah. at Tech. So, like, the, the NFL, the college football, like, it's two different cultures, and – with the recruiting thing, it's it's strange. It's a different culture. It's something that mo- like regular people do not understand recruiting culture. Like if you went to some lady on the side of the street who doesn't well, if really you watch did, football. If you didn't go to a football school. Right, exactly. Then you would have no idea. You're like, what is wrong with these well, well, These people are cretins. They're weird, right? So if you tried to explain rec- like it's just a bunch of grown men. They pay a monthly subscription fee to yes. go on message boards and call each other terrible names and fight about stuff that doesn't matter and, you know, to fight over people who have no idea who over, they are. Over young men that are like 17, 18 years the, the old. The way the that, grown that, 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 that 
we don't even know that all of them are going to be good. The way that grown-ass men conduct themselves <laughs> over the decisions of 17-year-old kids as to where they're going to go to college is unreal. Um, but, yeah, so I, I, it's, it's a different culture. And, <laughs> you know, with the NFL, I, I like covering the NFL much more than I like being an NFL fan because I get, you get to see the inner workings of a league where it's – you, you still like it, and it's fascinating, but uh-huh. then I'm sure you can speak to this as a former player. I'm sure there are parts of the NFL that wore you down and drove you insane that you couldn't wait to get away from when you finally did retire. Yeah, man, that's the business side of it. Um, you love the locker room. You love your teammates, your coaches. The football part is, is the best of the best of the best, right? And the facilities, the opportunities you get, the travel, like – there's nothing better than the NFL. <laughs> like there it's is, all first I, class. Man. I mean, it's like, what, what do you want me to say? Like the snacks, the, the ability to be a grown man, make a lot of money, all that's great. But the business, the part where, like I said, man, getting cut sucks. Oh, I bet. You know what I mean? Hurts when, your pride when, a little bit, right? When you get drafted by somewhere, you play and you give your all, you played hurt, you've had multiple surgeries. Um, and after eight years, we won a Super Bowl together. You get told like you no longer want it, and you're just like, I really? mean, it really sucks. And but you have to stay strong. I was in a different part of my life then. I just come off of knee surgery. I and I was not trying to have another surgery. I knew what my my goals were trying to be, and it's just crazy because my last Saints game was against Seattle Seahawks in Seattle. I played the game in my butt, and I'm glad I played well because that allowed me to get re-signed to Carolina because I was just coming off an injury anyway. And um, I missed nine weeks that year. So, And I never missed that much time except for my rookie and I tore ACL. So played well. Uh, we lose the game. My brother, my oldest brother, Brian, he's so mad. He's like, man, we got to go. Like, we, we, we got to go. We need to switch. <laughs> we, like, we got to go. I'm like, B, man, like, I know, man, just calm down, dude. He said, no, 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 bump that. No, no, no. Like, like man, we, we need to go to Carolina and win a Super Bowl. He told me, like, right there after the game. I'm like, dude, I'm on the Saints. Relax. Bro. <laughs> Relax, bro. You, you're going way out there right now. <laughs> way out there right now. booking flights and stuff. Yeah, like, like bro, relax. And um, next you know, a week or two later – uh, released by the Saints, uh, Sean did give me. Sean did call me to his office. We had this conversation, and uh, he was like, "Look, I got too much respect for you to like for you to hear about this on the whatever or anything. I, I drafted you like way too much respect, but um, we need to go a different way." I was like, "Hey, I figured I was ready to go anyway because I they, they was going. I was like, I need to go anyway." And um, Carolina's the first team come calling, bro, and it literally changed my life. I uh, became a better man, became a better boyfriend slash husband. I became just – I was more focused. I was a better family, dude. I was, I was ready to have more to prove. It was funny, though, because I, I've, I've heard, I heard a guy ask you. He said, you know, do you miss it? This is time of year when football's back. How much do you miss it? And you're like, bro, I don't, I don't miss it. I'm good. Like, I, I'm, I'm over that. I like, I like retirement. It's better. It's way better for me. Look, I would have retired after my 10th year in Carolina. If we won that Super Bowl 50, I retire right there. There's no – what else am I playing for? Um I left care. I left New Orleans. I was not in a good place with New Orleans at all. I was mad at that whole. I had hated them oh, because yeah. the business had gotten the way. The business. Well, I mean, you spent your entire career there right, to that and then point. Like, and then you cut me, and then I go to another place and still play well. All right, my first year I had four interceptions, the most I'd ever had in my career, and then we go. I lead the team. I help the team lead the build everything to get to the uh, to the Super Bowl the following year. So. To me, I, I'm like, dude, I outplayed all you guys. I'm so glad I'm not there. So, for me, I was done with New Orleans. Yeah, but that was, I mean, that, that was like your first probably experience of really being told we don't want you anymore. That, was my, that was my first so, experience. So, that's what I'm saying. So, like, but like you and I have talked about this on the air before where it's like if you, it's sports and entertainment, which is what you and I do, one or the other. Mm-hmm. If you work in sports or entertainment, you haven't really done it until you've been fired at least once. You really haven't. I mean, until, if you work in this, long, in this business long enough, either one of these businesses, you will be fired at least once, probably multiple times. So, you, you can let it define you or you can grow thick skin and, yeah. and get over it and make a decision to keep moving moving ahead no doubt that's that's part of it man and um well, look and your services were still wanted too so i mean it's not like you that were did out it, yeah. like you were not hitting the pound the pavement looking for a job people wanted you well yeah it did happen it wasn't the first round of free agents but anyway so i if i win super bowl 50 i retire i'm done there's nothing else i got two super bowls um i'm good 10-year career is all i really wanted anyways and then we lose. I just was so sick. 
And I wasn't sick for myself. I was sick for my teammates because I'd already won a Super Bowl. So winning another one was just sugar on top for oh, me. Yeah. No, you get I, two, you got to hang it up. You know what I mean? I'm like, dude, I'm good. I got 10 years, double-digit years, two Super Bowls. I'm good. I'm ready to roll. Have you ever been uh, – go ahead and finish. I was that. ready to – I wanted a Super Bowl for my teammates. I wanted them to feel that special feeling. I wanted it for Carolina. I wanted it for Charlotte. Um, those fans were so awesome that year. I could tell they had just they were just loving – how this winning culture it was and how I, I, I was just excited to help bring a championship home to them to be part of two Super Bowl teams. Not only that, but it's only been, what, nine teams maybe that started out 13-0 or 14, 13 and 0 in the NFL or better, and I was on two of them. So, for me, I was cool, but once we lost, uh, I think God told me I wasn't supposed to stop with that. The last football feeling I had was being a loss. So, next thing you know, Will Smith gets killed. Um, we're all back at the funeral. Me and Sean Payton are kind of talking and blah, blah. He finds out that my contract, I was about to leave. I was about to expire with the Carolina Panthers. He's like, really? He's like, I got to get you back. And that's how it happened. That's how it happened. <laughs> <laughs> but my wife was like, hey, just because Sean comes calling you, don't let him be like an old boyfriend. You over here fondling, talking to him and stuff. <laughs> don't be flirting like, uh-uh. He, uh, he did us wrong. Like, don't be just letting him back in. He's like, you like an old girlfriend. Don't be all, uh-uh. Just because he, call, he call and you come calling back. Oh. She's so funny. Yeah. No, I've learned that very quickly. She's, she's hilarious. That's funny. I, have you ever been on the field, speaking of, like, being ready to hang it up, have you ever been on the field, and you don't have to name names, but, like, looked across at a guy that you were playing against, like, I can't believe he's still trying to play football right now. Like, a guy that you just knew should have hung it up. Mm. Uh, no, probably not during the game where I'm probably playing against anybody because when they're against me, they're probably on some kind of painkillers or something. So everybody's yeah. getting through it. I mean, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense. That makes they're <laughs> probably still going hard. I mean, you yeah, wouldn't notice like it then. Immediately, just like flashes of LT in any given Sunday just came to my head when you were talking about that. Yeah, but LT just told you, said, bro, I'm worth a million dollars. That's why they out there, Kyle. <laughs> hey, this just reminded me because I have to ask you about this. So I was – I was listening to uh, uh, the Rogan podcast uh, last week, maybe two weeks ago, and it was uh, the episode that he did with Mike Tyson. And they were talking about, and first of all, have you, I don't know if you've listened to it or not, but I think you'd like it. I haven't like heard it. that one. The, I know you're a fight fan like I am. So he was talking to Tyson. It's a long conversation. First of all, to me, and I mean this in the most respectful way possible, just in case he ever hears this and decides to come whoop my ass, but like <laughs> I think Mike Tyson is one of the funniest people alive and not in the laugh at you, you know, laugh with you kind of way. And he's talking, first of all, he starts telling this story. Rogan asks him, you know, how did you, uh, what, what, what lit the fire? You know, what got you back in, uh, in the ring? Because if you know, he's training to fight Roy Jones Jr. And is this really going to happen? Oh, yeah. No, it's really going to happen. First of all, have you, have you not seen the videos of these two guys training at this point? It's unbelievable. I'll get to that. So Tyson is in unbelievable shape. When I first saw the, the news that uh, they were going to fight again, like a month ago or something, uh, my first thought, like everybody else, was, okay, this is gimmicky nonsense. You know, I'm not wasting my time or $70 on a pay-per-view to watch, which is probably going to be, like, sad. And, like, I, I'm going to walk out of that feeling sad. So, like, I don't, I don't want to pay for that. But, like, the first time I saw Tyson hit the pads on tape, I was like, no, take my money. Take this shit right now. Take my – first of all, I love – when I was a kid, I he used to – He is so explosive. Dude, I'm telling you, pull up the video. 53 I'm, – do it. Pull up the video of Mike I Tyson. I saw him hitting the bags, but I still don't – look, I want to see them get in the ring together. Is, and is Mike going to be able to fight – how many rounds are they doing? I, I think eight is the fight. I'll look at Eight? Up. I think it's – That's eight. way too many. I, dude, I don't know They're about that. They're not going to make Roy it. Roy Jones Jr. also looks incredible. He also but looks Roy, amazing. I believe Roy's in great shape. Oh. I believe Roy can get in good shape. So Mike starts this conversation. Mike's never though. been good past like four rounds. Okay, that's fair, but he still knocks dudes out. And Roy, <laughs> Roy Jones Jr. might be the next dude on the list. That's all I'm saying. So does it count like versus – is this count in their boxing record at all? No, there's no way. I, think it's just the next <laughs> I don't think so. That's what I'm, what I'm like, does this count on their record? We should put a filler out for this. Make sure if you're listening – Please tweet me or Kyle, Harp41 at Twitter. At Kyle or, Bailey Club. Yes. Or Instagram. All right. I'm Harp underscore So what are you 41. trying to find out? What are you fishing for? Is this going to count on their record? No. They're by, this, well, okay. Well, maybe. Maybe. Let this, me circle back to that because I got to get to this. All right. So, <laughs> so Rogan, you're going to love this. So Rogan asked him, he's like, basically, like, what lit the fire? You know, what, what got you back in the ring? And Tyson starts talking about, he goes, uh, 
He said, I was, I was just feeling really fat and it didn't feel good. I started to do a Tyson impression. I can't do the, I'll, I'll lose it. But he goes, he said, he said, I went to try on some, some old clothes I used to love to wear. And he goes, and it was the bathroom. And it was, <laughs> it was disastrous. And he was like, I told my wife, I'm just so fat. And he just kept talking. He's like, I told my wife, I'm, I'm enormous, I'm fat. And I just, uh, it was, I was crying. And then he goes, and so my wife was like, just do 15 minutes a day on the treadmill. Just do 15 minutes a day. And Tyson looks at Rogan and he goes, so I did. I started doing 15 minutes a day. And that turned into two hours a day. And I'm just like, of, like only a dude with that mindset goes, and yeah. it turned into two hours a day on the treadmill. And he was like, from that, I couldn't stop. And he was like, and then they, they went back to the, uh, the, to the gym, or the boxing gym for the first time and put on the gloves. And he started to hit the pads. And, the, and he was like, something clicked. And he's like, you belong here. You have to be here. <laughs> and he, he couldn't stop. And like, yeah. that's what made him the youngest heavyweight champion in the history of boxing. I mean, you think about well, what- that. And he is big handed. He oh is God. built. To like knock people out, dude. He starts talking about his time in juvie and like this. Uh, this yeah, he this, grew up this rough. young. Oh, dude. I mean, he he had it rough, and the way that it shaped him. And I think there was a. I don't know. I'll let people go listen to it, but it's it's hilarious, but it's also really inspiring. Like he studies great conquerors throughout history. He's made a fortune in the weed business. Yeah, yeah. Like this, Mike Tyson. That was really helping come like, back post boxing. Yeah, that and like I guess some of the movie, the, some of the acting. Don King wasn't around to steal that money, yeah. so you know some of the acting. And I like, mean, the, he could be in. Um, What's the the one movie where he knocks old dudes? Uh, oh, out? Um, the Hangover. Uh, hangover. Yeah, he yeah, could yeah. do as many hangovers as he wanted. Absolutely, <laughs> and he should. It was so good He's, having him in that. movie. Absolutely, he should. So like, I, again, and his comedy one uh, thing was pretty funny when he made fun of himself the whole time. Uh, that was really good. Yeah. No, he was fantastic. He, oh, but go ahead. Sorry. No, no, you're good. You're good. I just thought it was it's a, it was an interesting look into when you start listening to him talk. I'm sure you can relate to this in some way. When you start listening to him talk about. You know what motivates him and the, like the passion, the drive, and the fire that he has to fight. Like it really is motivating to listen to that. And anybody who's like competitive in any way, or you know, kind of a self motivator or self starter, like I, maybe it's just me, but I was listening to it and I was like, I love the way this guy sees. I mean, in his I, own I sort would, of maniacal kind of twisted way, I love the way he sees the world. Right, right, and I think anybody that's competitive or gives a crap about something, you can relate when, like we talked about, when it's passionate. And he's passionate about how he lives his life. I don't think he was always passionate about no. his life. And I think he has found his second wind. He has continued to try and strive. And I think, I think he's more sober than he's probably ever been. Sober in thinking. Um, and I don't think he always thought correctly. I think he's understanding that time is, time is of the ages. He's getting older. He realizes those things. He probably takes family. And the actual amount of time that I have on this earth, he probably takes it a lot more seriously. And when you start to do that, man, people really start to open up and see who they really are when they really look at the man in the mirror. And do you like that person? I think Mike said no. He started working on it. And I think he likes that person now probably more than he ever has. Yeah. I, I, I think part of it for me, too, is that I haven't – like, I, I became a big UFC fan. Mm -hmm. um, you know, probably 15 years ago. I did too, man. I, I'm I, all in. I drank all the Kool-Aid. Well, see, I, I fell in love with well, with boxing as a kid because it's what I used to do with my grandfather sometimes and um, um, or my papas. I don't know what you called yours. But, like, uh, you know, we'd watch Friday night fights and things uh -huh. like that. We would stay with them. But when the heavyweight division sank, you know, I, I, it was like the, the, the lightweights, the flyweights, some of the middleweights were okay, but, like, there was nothing like the light or the heavyweight division. True. And so when that kind of sank, it was, okay, here's this, this thing UFC – that went from VHS tapes and Blockbuster. And little guys were still knocking people out. It, exactly. And, like, <laughs> even then, it wasn't as – like, it went from, you know, like, Tank Abbott, you know, a, a drunk oh, – he was just a bar. He was a barroom brawler, <laughs> you know, fighting Hoist Gracie, who is, like, you know, using – 180 pounds. Exactly. Wearing a gi, you know, and, and trying to submit this dude. So it was kind of strange. And, again, you could it only was. get these fight for a while. It was, like, in the corner of the video store. I can't believe the old-school fight, dude. You could do a 90-degree elbow strike – like on the top of somebody's dome, probably. Like, oh, absolutely. You, they were like no rules for real. They had the to civilize the UFC. They a had bit. to civilize it a lot, <laughs> a little bit. Like the people, call, like the people who hate it, call it human cockfighting. But they actually had to civilize the UFC to get it to where it is right yes, now. Yes, they did. Yes, and they to did. the UFC's credit, at least to the, the best of my knowledge, and maybe this has been this has changed since the last time I looked, but I don't think so. Nobody's ever died in the octagon, yeah, you know, in, in a sanctioned UFC fight. People have died in the boxing ring. You know, so it, it's not sure. that it's common, but it's definitely happened. So, you know, they, it went from that, you know, sort of unruly, almost like a not as used to watch the old Kimbo Slice backyard. I brawls. loved Kimbo Slice. Loved Kimbo I Slice. I mean, I, I hated that once he actually got in the ring, dude, he was. Do you think he, he threw that fight? Do you think he threw that fight? I don't think he had any stamina. Really? 
Yeah, man. See, I'm I'm open to the idea that he threw that fight. R.I.P. By the way, Kimbo Slice. I know, man. He was great. Yeah, he was a what they call a YouTube sensation before that was a word. So I got a buddy down in uh, in Charleston who uh, I used to do some business with. Uh, never actually got to train with, but he actually trained Kimbo uh, before that fight. Trained Kimbo um, on his jujitsu. And he works for American Top Team down in Charleston. And did you know, he actually say that he was actually improving? Because the moment he got on the ground, I mean, he was, he was, like ne- he was never going to be good. Like he just, imp- I think they were trying to improve his ground game enough that he can defend himself against somebody who was, you know, a uh, a high level uh, BJJ practitioner. Like he just yeah. needed to be able to keep from getting choked out, and you know, maybe find a way to slip out of a, you know, a half guard or something. Like he just needed to, to be functional, I guess. But like those Kimbo videos were awesome. But like the one where he popped the dude's eye out of his socket. Like oh my that, god, that was a little bit much. Right? Oh my god, so it like, was scary. So like old school UFC wasn't that far removed from Kimbo Slice backyard fights. Okay, yeah. all but they like, did they had the little small gloves on. But you think about and and like I think the golden era of the UFC with the fighters and the like the household names was probably I don't know what seven eight years ago still. Like it, it, like that when they had the biggest number of stars that a lot of people knew. At least for in my perspective, that's when it was. But I mean, you looked up, and it went from— Who's your favorite fighter? Hold on. It went from, like, you know, backyard brawls almost to, uh, I mean, former Olympic medalists, former Special Forces yeah. Marines, uh, former college wrestlers, multi-time national champions, uh, world champion uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioners. That's like, true. It was legit. Former NFL players, guys like Brendan Schaub. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it, it, Herschel, he big. I mean, Herschel Walker didn't fight in the UFC, but Herschel Walker at 50 years old, was it Bellator? Or what? It was one of the yeah. smaller promotions that he got in the— So, I mean, that sport started to attract some legitimate athletes. I mean, Ronda Rousey was an Olympic gold medalist. All these yeah. – that sport got legit in a hurry. It did. That's why I like it so much. No, I'm a big fan of USC, but I, I got my people. I, I, I root for certain people, and then after that, I'm, I'm kind of whatever. I like Cody Garbrandt right now. Dude. I like No Love. I like him. I, I, I think they – I like him. I, um, who's another – I mean, Amanda Nunes is probably my favorite fighter right now because she throws bombs. She bombs. bombs. She, and look, I didn't know my brother was telling me about her when she first fought. And he was like, dude, no, no, no. This girl throws bombs. Yes. He's like, he's like, no, no, it, no. this but girl is different. I, I She's different. I, I like and, watching the, the ladies fight, but I think it makes some dudes uncomfortable. It's like some guys can't because those those women fight. Yeah, I mean, they do. It, it is violent. But to me, I don't really look at them like that. I mean, I look at them as they are. If they're women and they want to get in the ring, let them get in the ring and let them handle business. But some people are uncomfortable with women getting lumped up. Oh, for, let, me, let me clarify that. I'm not. I don't think they should be. I I love watching the women fight. I just oh, yeah. think that it because it's such a new phenomenon. Right, right. That's what I'm saying. You said some men, not you. But, yeah, yeah. Like, but I get you. It's but I mean they're they're. Incredible. So who's your favorite fighter? You didn't say it. Of all time. Yeah, dude. Whatever. Of all time. Why not? John Jones. John Jones, I mean, and, and I that's I, I say I that, it. and I'm going to probably he's, catch some help. He's for one it. of the best. Okay, you know what? He's pound for pound the greatest fighter I've ever seen. Anderson Silva's like a, I mean, he's right underneath. Anderson's him. my guy. Anderson, Anderson's my favorite. Anderson's fighter. special, man. Like they're just. I was listening again. I was listening to Rogan talk about this. Could song. a young Anderson Silva? I don't think he. I don't know if he could beat John Jones because John Jones is so massive. John Jones' fighting style just made him like it was a labor to fight him. Like there were a few like guys like Daniel Cormier who gave no f's at all right, right, right. like guys like that that could just you know bow their neck get at it, and just keep going after him they didn't mind as much but most people were just generally uncomfortable having to fight john jones because of the way that he fights he's so long he's so strong he's hard to get inside on you don't want to go to the ground and with you him. can't take him down and either. if you catch those hands you, good night i mean <laughs> the, he's just he's a complete and fighter. he's like really good he'll elbow you he do some upper stuff oh like he's up. how many people has he split open with the elbow yeah it's John Jones is I man was it was it Chael Sonnen that he split open some really bad I did not I was not a fan of dude Chael I, 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 I'm not as he's like the most annoying dude I'm ever. not as crazy diehard as I was yes but that, that I was, agree when those guys yes you're right but back in the day when it was you know GSP Anderson Silva GSP Matt was Hughes, a boss he's probably I could put probably put him as one of the most pound for pound oh team. dude I mean back he that was, was that to me like Randy Couture like that era of the UFC I don't maybe it's just me. Getting getting old and like I don't know but I, I think that's Are you that guy I hate those people I hate those people too man I really like I, I'm trying really hard not to be because I still like watching it don't get me wrong but like 
I don't know. I think that they have a star problem. They those that during that era, there were probably seven or eight guys. Forrest Griffin. Yep. I mean, all the guys that you just knew that it, it didn't. If there was a pay per view on, you just knew there was going to be two or three. And they're still great fights, but right. they were names that you knew on every single card. I agree. I agree. Well, they also fight a lot more because of the deals with ESPN. So oh, that's true. You know what I mean, so it it gets a little bit diluted when you you get too many. Yeah. But, I mean, it'll work. I mean, it is what it is. No, it's I, the product. I'm with you. I'm I got with, ESPN Plus. So, so. I know. I know you, you. You probably got to. We got to wrap this up here pretty soon. But before we're watching the NBA playoffs right now, as we tape this, Boston Celtics are up seven, 70, 73 to 69. Celtics up four. I took the Celtics and the points in this one. I got uh, Boston minus I'm, one and a half. Oh, yeah, I like that. I like that. I did, too. I, I mean, I lo- first of all. I think Boston is going to win this series. I, I think Boston will be in the finals. These two teams the are the most fun teams to watch. I mean, I, 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 of the four uh, Eastern Conference teams that were left in the previous round, these two, Toronto and, and Milwaukee, I love the freak. Um, you know, for anybody who doesn't know, I host the, the Charlotte Hornets pregame show. So I've gotten to see Giannis a couple of times up close. And he is as freakish and impressive as it gets in person. So I love watching him play. And, and I, the, the Bucks are fun to watch. Don't get me wrong. But I love watching these two teams play. The love watch, the Celtics are deep. They got everything. Uh, Kimball Walker was the best swap they could have made for Kyrie Irving. I was telling people last year, the Celtics will be immensely better if they, if they, if they just get rid of Kyrie and bring in Kimball Walker, and we've seen it. And then you've got the junkyard dog and Marcus Smart. Jalen Brown's just a, a pistol of energy. He's a great basketball player. Daniel Tice is tough. And Jason Tatum's going to be a league MVP. Before his career, Jason Tatum is so. Jason good. Tatum is is incredible. Uh, uh, and you back. and I can look at you know that that's Kobe Bryant right there. Oh. That he just hit a three from twenty six feet. That I mean that's that's Kobe's influence on him. You know how much they worked together. Like, it was last off season or off season before last. I can't remember. They did a lot of work together, and I think it, Tatum credits a lot of the improvement he made lately with the work that he did with Kobe. And I was reading about that a while back. R.I.P. He's got my, man. Love the black mama. You I know, know that he's um. Jason Tatum is extremely talented. He's got a great shot. He is a really, 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 really good basketball player. Um, I, and I think you may be right, though. But they got to win. When you win, you, be, you win MVPs now. All that stuff matters. Um, but I, I, do, I do think Boston Celtics will end up in the uh, NBA Finals. I love Miami. I really like Tyler Hero. I thought he was really good coming out of Kentucky. And this young kid can shoot the ball, and the moment is not too big for him. That is what I like most about him. Jimmy Butler's just a dog. Oh, yeah. Well, see, I, I, I would take him as my six-man all day long. I should have saved the junkyard dog day. mantra for him because yeah. I'm glad you brought up the, the heat, which I was going to get to. But you're right. Hero, it looks like an incredible pick. And not only can he shoot, they've given him the trust to put the ball on the deck and go to the rack. Yeah. I mean, the, the rookie shooters, typically guys like him, don't get the green light to put the ball on the deck and go to the rack like he does. He does. He, he has all the green light to do whatever he needs to do and just be himself. So That's one of those things. You that, see it. That's the influence of the Pat Riley culture in that organization. We were talking about this the other day. I mean, you think about it. When LeBron and Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade walked out on that stage that day, the big three, you know, with that little pep rally they held. Um, you know, and everybody's either celebrating or rolling their eyes and everything else. But Eric Spolster's the head coach, and they win their titles and everything else. But we're all saying it doesn't matter who the coach is. It's LeBron, D. Wade, and Chris Bosh. Spolster's just uh, – he's just there. No, he's a really good coach. No, and, he and, is really good. And Pat he Riley – proven that. Pat Riley is the – you know, somebody the, – the, I think it was the – who was it? Somebody made the analogy the other day that – you know in the scene in The Wizard of Oz – the old school version of Wizard of Oz, when the dog runs behind the screen and the wizard's like, get out of here, you know, and it's revealed that it's just a man behind the screen, not like this big mythical figure. Yes. Somebody, like, compared that to who Pat Riley is for the Heat. And it's true, man. Like, his, his influence, he is that organization. And between Hero and guys like uh, Duncan Robinson, who was a Division three basketball player at one point, is now one of the best shooters in the world. Yeah, uh, he, they said he never even had a play drawn for him before. No, and then Kendrick Nunn, uh, uh, an undrafted guy, Kelly Olenek, solid pickup. Like they, This team, I, I hate – for a long time, I didn't like the Heat very much, but then Why? I grew – I don't know, just a rational sports hate. But then, <laughs> then, I, then I grew up and realized this is a really well-run uh, organization. So I, to your point, I think the NBA playoffs have been awesome and – will continue to be awesome. Uh, and again, we're taping this right now as the Heat and Celtics are playing. Clippers and Nuggets coming up game seven tonight. Oh, I can't wait. Win, winner gets your Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. Winner's going to get that L, son, in the, in the Western Conference Finals. The Lakers, so? the Lakers are playing good, man. Yeah, but are they deep enough? Deep enough? We got the two best players. Oh, I don't know about that. One of them's on the other side. In, in oh, and the Kawhi? Yeah. 
Okay. This man might become So we the got two out of the three. That's still more than what they got. Uh, you're, look, I'm not going to dispute it. You're right. The Lakers are playing really well. but the Clippers, And Rondo, playoff Rondo. The Clippers are not the Houston Rockets. Dude, the, the, clearly the Clippers are not playing great. They played. They did not play good yeah, in the right. first in the first round against the Dallas. All right, it's not like they played great. They've been up 17, 18 points multiple times in this series and let Denver come back and win. You you're not gonna be able to be able to do that and get away with just oh we're win game seven because we're the better team versus the Lakers and LeBron James. LeBron James been to a lot of championships. This guy literally will will us to a championship. Why? Because we're the Lakers, and so we're able to provide him with great facilities and the capability and another player like Anthony Davis um, to win us a championship. <laughs> so am I going to be celebrating with a new hat? Yes, and I can't wait. Come on, man. I don't know. I, they might win it. Kyle, you know I'm a Lakers fan. I, I know care. you are, but again, the, the reason you Who are. That, the best game. Also the best game this weekend. The most watched game in week one in NFL maybe in the last four or five years. Uh, Buccaneers versus Saints. Congrats to my Saints. Them DBs ball too. The, Picking off Tom Brady. They made Tom Brady look. Well, old. you said the Lakers thing. The, the thing you have, you and I have in common is is the Kobe, right? You and I yes. both share a, a, a very deep affection for Kobe Bryant. That was my favorite athlete growing up. I know it was one of yours too. I got to ask you this before we wrap this up. So I was on the air today doing the radio show, and we were talking about the Bucks and the Saints. Um, how funny was it, by the way, that Bruce Arians was like, yeah, I expect Tom to play with a little more determination and grit on Sunday. It's like, you're talking about the greatest quarterback of all time. And you just said, he didn't play good. I'm not saying I'm, – to me, it was just funny because that was another example of how Bruce Arians does not care who you are. Oh, like, I love B- – because B.A. don't give a damn. At all. B.A. has been in this game a long time. I didn't know he coached under Bear Bryant. Did shout you know out, that? Uh, that's what I said today. It's <laughs> like, shout out to my Hokies. He was a former quarterback at Virginia Tech. Yeah. And he was, he's been everywhere. And he's yes. played, he's coached Peyton Manning. He's coached under Bear Bryant. I mean, he's coached, I mean, he's coached with the best of the best of the best. And yes. he has coached the best. He's not, that's the cool thing about this dynamic is that he's so different from Bill Belichick. But it, he, it's his different style, but it's the same type of motivation where Belichick would do that to Brady behind closed doors. Yeah. He'd dress him down in practice. He'd, he'd, you know, he'd single him out in, in film, you know, in the film room. He wouldn't, he wouldn't do it through the media. Like, and even Bruce Arians didn't do a big thing, but it was very subtle, like determination and grit, and bam, it's like a headline in the Washington Post today. It's like, oh, Bruce Arians calling out Tom Brady's determination and grit. I was like, that's awesome. That's funny. So b- before we go, you brought it up. I have to get this in. What? So is Belichick doing the opposite with Cam? That he's gonna, um, is he gonna be extra nice to Cam in practice? Is he gonna be able to rip Cam? Like, cause right now all we got is love. It's a love fest in New England right now. I see the thing. It's. I'm glad you said that because I, my the only question mark I got is not Cam. I think Cam gonna ball, but. He kind of did on Sunday. <laughs> who's he gonna throw the ball to? Who Cam? Yeah, Julian my, Edelman. Yeah, that's my only issue is well, – yeah, but he has nobody else, though. More or less. And but it's, Julian's 34 years old, man. Yeah, but did you see, first of all, the thing that, that Cam told the media last week about his wide receivers? Did you see that? No, what he said. He told, he told the Boston media that uh, – and, and he was very diplomatic about it, but he said he'd never really had weapons like that before. And a guy – he said – and he singled out Smitty. He said outside of Steve Smith, he's never had a guy like Julian Edelman to throw the ball to. And kind That's of probably true. Well, it though. is true. Yeah. I mean, even when y'all went to the Super Bowl, and Julian, but Julian is like a clutch player. Julian's really good at what he does all yeah. day. So yeah, to that point, you know, he he did say that. I they've been super flattering and complimentary of him. The, mm-hmm. Like in the to, like today, Josh McDaniels was like, not only is he a great athlete, he's you know he's he's incredibly intelligent. He, he asks all the right questions, and I hear he's a great cook. His feet don't stink. I mean, Josh McDaniels was like <laughs> His feet don't just stink. completely showering Cam Newton with love in the media today, like, which never happens in New England for all these years. It's it's almost it's, like they're doing it a little bit to tweak <laughs> well, Tom Brady. That's what everybody bit. is like wondering, like. Right. Is it what is going on? And then, of course, that they're 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 in an extra good mood today because they win because and they Tampa won. lost and Cam played well and yeah, Cam did. scored two touchdowns and Cam didn't throw any interceptions and Tom threw two. So I I don't know. Like, ask me that question again in week seven or eight, <laughs> depending on the record that they have. I don't know. All I know is, first of all, seeing that giant dude, you know, in a Patriots uniform scoring twice on on Sunday was so strange, but it was awesome. Yeah. Because, you know, people here in Charlotte, and I don't know where everybody's going to be listening to this from, but people here in Charlotte where we are, 
the reaction to this from the, the people here has been fascinating, dude. I, I love it, though, because they hated it on Cam so bad, Kyle, and I did not know how much people hated it on Cam until I started doing the radio show with you. And then I would hear this stuff, and I'd be talking to you out when we get off the radio. I'm like, dude. Oh, you got a taste you? of it for the first time when you, you came in the studio and saw some of the text line. and what pe- it's, It is a small – it's a minority of the fan base. It's not all of them, but it, it's, a, it's a vocal minority of these, these fans who never liked him from the outset and never really wanted to like him from the outset. So it was really funny to me to watch in training camp how all these, Boston, or these, these Patriots writers were talking about how accurate he was, the ball placement, so on and so forth, and then they, they immediately named him the starter. They, they named him the captain, and people here are like, okay. Well, uh, it's either, hey, I guess I was wrong about that guy or everybody, you know, gloating about how well he's doing up there. But the people that I, it's half this fan base, at least, is rooting for both the Panthers and the Patriots this year. Some of these people just jump ship and follow Camden, Camden New England. <laughs> They're done with the Panthers. They, they, they followed Camden New England. That's what happens that's your it. team ain't winning. All right. Anyway, we got to go. We got, we got more to say, but we can do this all night. We got to run. Uh, this was good. Kyle, man, you know you're my boy. Right, I got to get you the, 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 the sign for Roman's retreat. We need people out there to name the studio. It Whoever is. gives us the best name, I'll get them something lasered and something made, too. I love that. it. We got everything covered? We got it, bro. Cool. Maybe, we, see you. maybe we can be controversial next time. <laughs> All right, we'll talk to you next time. For Roman Harper, I'm Kyle Bailey.